Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag and Indeed.com. Welcome into the A-List podcast. I'm Kwani Lunas, joined by Aisha Blakey and Gary Washburn. This is the A-List podcast. How are you two doing today? Wonderful. How are you doing, Kwani? You got a little cold or something? You no, just, you know, <laughs> it was so chill, though it may have a little raspy voice, but it's okay. At least I still have a voice. I wasn't yelling too much. But <laughs> let's talk about the Celtics. They're now six to three overall. They're still really figuring out their rhythm, but they just came off of two back-to-back wins, which shows that the momentum hopefully is building. What have you two gathered from their last few games? They're figuring out how to win games. I mean, it, I don't think the games are all that aesthetically pleasing right now, these last couple of games. Um, but they're finding a way to, to just, again, f- just stack them wins. And at this point in the season, and you're kind of going through this self-discovery phase, which clearly, as you pointed out, Quine, they're kind of still in that phase. Uh, you just got to find ways to win games, no matter how you do it. Uh, they're finding ways to give our our, our our good friend Al Horford a little bit of uh, load management along the way. Uh, they're finding ways to add some faces that we don't really talk a whole lot about into the mix. Guys like Sam Hauser, who's coming up doing some nice things for them. And then you got your you got your established you know go to guys Jalen Brown and, and Tatum who are again showcasing why they're one of if not the best one two punch in the NBA. So a lot of positives that they can certainly build on, but there's a, there's some clear problems with this roster still, and we'll talk a bit more about that later. But um, so far, you know, they're doing all right. They're doing all right. Yeah, I mean, um, six and three with two overtime losses to the Cavaliers. Nothing to you know, be ashamed of because the Cavaliers are off to a really hot start. I think they're seven and one. Uh, both of those games they could have won. So they really were legitimately like whipped once in that Chicago game. You know, I just think the defense has to get better. They're outscoring teams at this point, you know, 123-119 against the Bulls, 133-118 against the Knicks. Obviously the record 27 three-pointers, uh, but they're getting it done. And at this point, you can't argue with that because – they could be three and six, you know, they could be kind of in the hole. They could be the warriors at this point. They could be other teams that are struggling out the gate. So you got to give them some credit um, for figuring out ways to win. But I just think they got a lot to work on the defense. Uh, They got to figure out what to do with the center position, rebounding, uh, little things like that. But I I think they're coming together. I I think that they're, uh, this is what the, the point that they, if they, could have said, hey, we'll be six and three. Um, 
that, you know, will be good. I think they would take that, right? They would take that after nine games. Obviously, they would rather be 9-0 and or whatever. But I just think two overtime losses, uh, they went through the gauntlet. They went through a back-to-back. You know, I, I thought that New York game was going to be really tricky because the Knicks are not slouches anymore. Obviously, Randall, uh, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, they had some guys. And they won the night before Philadelphia, but they came back and kind of pulled away in the fourth quarter. And that's also the thing I'm encouraged about fourth quarter execution. They could have maybe last year they would have lost that New York game. You know, I think it was I think it was up to it was down to 89-88. You know, and the Celtics pulled away in the fourth quarter. They made the plays, they hit the shots, they did what they were supposed to do. And, and then against Chicago too, when the Bulls came down within two and they got hot. So I think it's encouraging that they're learning how to pull out games in the fourth quarter. And Sherrod, you mentioned Jason Tatum, and right now he's one of the few players in the league that are averaging over 30 points per game. What have you two seen from his game, not only for the last two games, but just over the season? How has he been building upon that growth? You got it, Gary. What, Jalen and Jason? No, Tatum uh, specifically. Just averaging 30 points per game on average. Got you. Over yeah. Um, I think the what he's doing is he is being more assertive in other areas besides scoring. The shot's not always going to go down. I was very impressed the other day with his offensive rebound uh, to give them an extra possession to get to the free throw line when the Bulls, if they get that board, would have had the ball down two with DeRozan hot. And then he got a block shot on the next position to Patrick Williams. Like all stars, great players, they do the little things. They always, they, it's not just scoring the ball. It is, um, you know, rebounding, get the get block defense, all types of little things. And I think that that's what, um, you know, Jason is doing at this point. He's learning that he's learning. Take my game to another level. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's great. I'm averaging 30 points a game, but, how many boards, 12 boards the other night. Like, I just think Jason is really turned himself into a complete player. Yeah. And, and that's the key to him. I mean, you know, we, we I, you know, I, I talk about top five Tatum and we're seeing that way more often than we've done in the past. And the reason why that is, is because he's figured out how to not just make an impact at both ends of the floor, but make an impact consistently at both ends of the floor. And it's not the same thing night in, night out. Some nights offensively, he's not shooting the ball well, but he's finding ways to get to the line. Other nights defensively, you know, if, if his guy might have it going a little bit, Jason is doing his part as a rebounder, as, as, a, as a guy that deflects passes, uh, a guy that is finding a way to put his imprint at both ends of the floor. And that's what the top players at his position, and frankly, the top players in general, are capable of doing. You know, if you want to be seriously, if you want to be taken seriously in the whole MVP conversation, which is something Tatum, he absolutely wants that to be the case. This is how you do it. You become someone who can dominate games at both ends of the floor so that no matter how the game is going on that particular night for you, you still have the ability to put a significant imprint on its outcome with your play. And with that being said, you, along the lines of his growth, he's right now shooting 50%. Overall, 90.4% from the free throw line and 38% from three. So Again, still early on in the season, but do you guys think that he is on track or and can be a 50-40-90 player? No. 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 I, don't, okay. I don't think so. I, I think his, field, his shooting from the field is going to drop a little bit just because he takes such a high volume amount of shots. 
But shooting better than 40% from, from three-point land and shooting better than 90 from the free throw line, I absolutely think that's what Finn's skill set. But I don't think that he's going to be able to shoot as well from the field going forward uh, for the season uh, simply just because he takes too many damn shots. And that, that's not a knock on him. That's just the reality. You look at the guys who typically are in that 50, 40, 90 category. They're not high-volume shooters. They're guys that take a decent amount of shots, but they're not taking – 20, 23, 24 shots a game, which Jason is going to consistently do this season over the course of the season. So, yeah, it's it's great to talk about it. And it's great that he's going to, I think, at least make some, you know, run towards that. I think at the end of the day, he's going to be a guy that's going to shoot high 40s uh, from the field and from three-point land and also shoot, shoot around 90% from the line. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's something he can shoot for. Uh, I'll be, you know, obviously the 50% from the, I think 47, 48 is a good number for him to shoot yeah. for um, because of that three point shot. Um, you know, if he was shooting a lot, you know, mid range and things like that, you know, like a DeMar DeRozan who doesn't shoot a lot of threes, I think would have a better chance of that. And also Jason needs to improve his free throw shooting. He's, he's a good free throw shooter. He's not a great free throw shooter. You want him for as many times he's going to get to the line to be in that 90% tile. You want, you don't, you know, I mean, there's times he he just doesn't. It's obvious. It's like he concentrates. That first free throw, he'll miss it, you know, or whatever, and, and then he'll come back hit the second one. So he, he tightened up the free throw shooting. I think he can be a forty percent three three point shooter, but I think if he'll take thirty seven, thirty eight. But if there was a you know like forty eight, thirty eight, eighty eight, you know, uh, I think he'd have a shot. But uh, look at you lowering standards. No, no, no. no. <laughs> 50, 40, 90. Uh, I think I said, like you said, Sharad, he'd have to have a, you know, a, a definitely a, mo a more of a mark from the mid range and from, uh, you know, in the paint as opposed to the three points. Sometimes he falls in love with a three point shot. So the team overall right now, they're leading the league with obviously nine games played. They're at 118.8 points per game. What does it say about the team? We've talked about how the depth has been an issue over the last year. Do you think that this is a sign of an improvement overall for the Celtics? Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, offense is never going to be an issue. It's that defense. But mm -hmm. I think Jason is is at a, a nice high. You know, he is he is better than he was last year at this early point. And then Jalen has really stepped his game up. And then I think they've finally surrounded uh, those guys with some shooters. Sam Hauser can shoot. Malcolm Brogdon can shoot. Um, you know, they have guys, Horford on occasion, but Horford can score at the rim. Marcus Smart, obviously, he's always going to be the streaky guy. I, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, he's off to a slow start, but he can hit, hit an occasional shot. But I think the addition of Hauser and Brogdon is really opened up the floor and helped their shooting because of both those guys' three-point threats. They finally, and I said, it could have been maybe P Peyton Pritchard, and maybe if Peyton is getting those minutes, he might be that guy. Uh, and then Derek White stepped up too. I, I don't want to forget about him, but I think they have gotten improved shooting around Jason and Jalen, which makes their offense even more dangerous. And just wait till Robert Williams comes back, and they're able to get a lot of easy buckets from alley-oops and, and and dies at the rim. So uh, I think the sky's the limit for the offense. Uh, the issue I have, or I think they should ha have, is the defense. Shutting guys down, not letting guys go for too much. You know, last night, 
against the Knicks, three 20 point plus point scores. Um, you know, they let guys go, you know, they, they had a chance in the second quarter to kind of pull away. I think they were up by 12 and then they let the Knicks go a little bit crazy. Um, and then it becomes a tussle until midway through the fourth quarter. So things are tuned up on the defense, but I think the offense is is fine because they got shooters. Yeah. And, and, and to your point, I mean, that's how you realize that with their struggles with defensively aren't just one or two guys. It's a team-wide epidemic. When you look at last night, three guys go over 20. You know, you go back to that Cleveland game, that the first one where they had not one but two guys that dropped 41 on them, which should never, ever happen uh, against a, an elite team defensively like they've been for so many years. And, and that's why, you know, I, I'm that I'm, I'm concerned about how quickly that's going to come together. And I know not having Rob is a big part of that. But my concern with this group is that they um, almost embrace the fact that they're not as good defensively and aren't necessarily fighting through that 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 pull that you have from time to time to just kind of go with the flow because they know and we've seen it. They can outscore damn near every team in the NBA. They've got that kind of firepower. You know, Sam Hauser is doing what you're supposed to do is knock down open shots. Those and those open shots create more open shots for Tatum, which creates more opportunities for Jalen Brown. You just go down the line and there's and there's that trickle down effect with that. But my concern is that when Rob comes back, that there will there might be this almost collective. Ah, we good. Now Rob's got our back. So you know what? That turnstile defense, we were playing that Olay defense. We're good now because we got Rob back there. He's going to erase all that. And that's a problem. Uh, that I have and concern I have with this team. I don't know how locked in they're going to be to embrace Rob when he comes back. And in, in some respects, follow his lead. Guard your, guard your yard. Uh, be a better individual def- defender. Uh, that's to me, again, at this point, that's the biggest pressing concern. I think if, if you are Joe Missoula and you're thinking about different ways that you can continue to build off success and have it sustainable throughout the course of the season, that has to be your number one concern right now. So that being said, though, do you think they can sustain that high level offensively? Yeah, I do. And and I I, I say that with, with some bit of hesitancy only because some of the key players that are part of this new high-powered offense are in roles they've never had before. I mean, Sam Howes the other night, I think like 17, 18 points. You're not going to get that consistently from here. He's going to have nights where he's going to miss three or four shots he normally makes. And to me, I'm not concerned about that particular game. I'm concerned about the lingering effect of that game going forward. Is he going to be able to have a rough night, brush it aside, and just get back on a horse and, and ride off? Veteran players are able to do that. Young fellas, it takes them a little bit of time to kind of get build up the the muscle memory to be able to withstand tough times and then just this take off. And you, and you start looking at their roster. They've got a couple of guys that kind of fit in that mode. And again, I, I think this, the tools are all there for them to be at high powered offense and maintain uh, themselves as the highest scoring team in the NBA. I'm just concerned about what happens when they hit a low offensively, lose a couple of games because they can't stop anybody. How are they going to, going to just snap themselves out of that? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, I think they'll be fine. I think the offense will be fine. I think they'll be able to maintain it because obviously you have two elite scorers, and then you have guys like Brogdon, who has been a plus scorer in other places, Milwaukee and Indiana. Uh, Hauser, I think, is a guy that is turning himself into an elite shooter, and he's going to be open a lot uh, because defense are going to be flexing on Jason and Jalen. So I, I think that they'll be fine. I think I, I, said, I don't think the offense is is to be uh, 
something to worry about at this point because I just think they have enough cohesion, ball movement to uh, be able to score points and be able to take advantage of mismatches and to be able to go at certain guys. Uh, and then they have guys like scrappy guys like uh, Griffin and Von Lay and even, you know, at the, on occasion, Luke Cornett to, you know, pick up a, a loose ball and, and put it in or, or dunk at the rim, things like that. And I said, Robert will help so much offensively also because he'll give them more easy points. That's the thing you want. It's, it's a, right now they're, they're, they're working too hard for their points because they don't have that rim runner. They don't have that easy guy who could score at the rim. When Robert gets back, they'll be able to get four or five baskets a game easier, you know, because of his presence. And then with that being said, do you think that'll be enough to sustain them in the East? And obviously we're going to get into the defensive struggles a little bit more, but offensively, is that enough for this conference? I think uh, right now, I think they're okay. Um, Milwaukee's off to a 9-0 start. Cleveland looks like they're going to be a factor here, more than just like the sixth seed. Cleveland looks like they can go for the top, one of the top three seeds at this point. Obviously, they're going to hit their ruts. And, you know, the East is going to be treacherous. I mean, Miami's going to get it together. Uh, you know, Brooklyn seems to be playing better now. All their issues. <laughs> the Knicks, who knows? Toronto, you know, Chicago. We, You know, the Southern have seen it twice already. Chicago is, is a tough club. And, you know, if they ever get Lonzo Ball back, you know, and they get everything straight, I think they can be a factor. So the East is, is, a, is a minefield. There's no, I mean, you know, you can look at Orlando and they'll start slipping. And yeah. um, Charlotte looks like, but, you know, Indiana is no, Indiana beat Miami the other night. Indiana is not to be, you know, Detroit, you know, Sherrod's buddies up there in Detroit. They're, <laughs> they can, you know, the Celtics have them twice in the next three or four days. Uh, they could they could sneak up and bite you. So there is no slouch in the East. There are going to be some teams that don't just don't show up on certain nights. Mm. But the East is really balanced and really uh, has that parity uh, that the NBA has been seeking. Because you'll 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 look at you know Orlando just beat Golden State the other night. You know the, you know they they're a young team, but they you know the Southern's already saw them. Detroit. You know, and those are supposed to, be, you know, Indiana's supposed to be in some kind of rebuild, right? They're supposed to be blowing it up and they play hard, you know, so it's going to be, it's going to be tough in the East. I mean, this is not going to be, I think, a season where the Celtics win 60 games or something like they're going to struggle at times because, you know, some of these teams will sneak up and bite you. But I think at this point, they're holding their own, their third through, it's, we're 10% through the season. Um, but so they're, you know, but I think they just keep, Keep trying to maintain, win. Don't avoid, as we saw in the early going last year, the, the six losses in eight games. Avoid the ruts, right? They lost two in a row. They came back one, two in a row. Like, just keep trying to avoid ruts. Win most of your games. Yeah, and and, and for them, you know, a, a big part of, of, of finding their way through all this is developing the rotations and developing chemistry. You know, even though they, they brought a lot of key guys back from last season, there's still every year is a new season, new team and new expectations. And, and this is really the first time for a lot of those guys where they're dealing with not just being one of the favorites, but by virtue of going to the NBA finals a year ago, people want to be where you were. 
Uh, people see you as almost like the gold standard, if you will, in the East. Now, obviously, Milwaukee will have a lot to say with that. One, because of their 9-0 start this year. And two, because they did not have Chris Middleton uh, in the postseason last year, which obviously was, was detrimental to their chances of, of going far. But the Celtics have to really, uh, again, improve in so many different areas. But the biggest area of improvement is just getting to know one another, playing with a certain balance and chemistry uh, and togetherness that I think they've done a pretty good job of that so far. Uh, I, I love the fact that Malcolm Brogdon has really been kind of the glue guy for that entire team. I think him coming off the bench solidifies that second unit, which is scoring more than they normally do. And I think it gives a certain level of comfort to the starters because now you know if, if you don't get off to a great start, there's a pretty good chance somebody on that second unit is going to come in and turn things around. Whereas last year, if you struggled early on, you look at you looking over at email like, okay, when we get back in the game, you, you like that, you like that little kid who's double dutching. You just you step out, you just ready to jump back in. That's how you yeah. gotta do. It. Oh, stop, Gary. Stop. 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 Uh, Mr. Lower the standards for 50, 40, 90. Let's go with 47, 48, 88. Come on, man. And let that slide. We all can't be 50, 40, 90 guys in life like you, Sharon. We all can't, you know. And that and that's and that's too bad. That's too bad. I feel I'm sorry for you. You have my you have my sympathy. Oh god. There's a go Hallmark go, card with your name on it. Go get this dude. Bluesman's. <laughs> anyway, that the be- bills will pay soon or something. Yeah, w- coming soon. But before we pay those bills, pick and roll a quick little game question for you guys. Which has been a bigger surprise: the Celtics' offense, offensive success, or the defensive struggles? Defensive struggles for me. Um, I thought they'd be a little bit better than this. I knew that that without Rob, they would take a little bit of a step back, but. They look putrid at times. I mean, it, it really, I mean, they've, they've instituted the Olay slash easy pass defense damn near every game for way too many stretches that should, shouldn't happen. Uh, they have to get better at that end of the floor. They have to. And, and obviously Rob will help, but until he, he returns, they need to be better than what we've seen so far. I think I'm going to take the offense. The defense, I'm going to say, is not has, has obviously not been good. It's been below average. But I also think they've ran some really hot shooters. I think that, like, Mitchell and, like, guys who just had uncharacteristically great nights. And um, that's what they have to stop. Some of the in-game adjustments I'm a little disappointed with, like going under the screen on Mitchell or the first quarter against Cleveland at Cleveland, letting Garland just kind of – get what he wanted and coming off a, I think he missed six games with the eye injury comes back and scores what seven, you know, seven or 14 points in the first quarter, just with open threes. Like that can't happen. That's the stuff that I think is disappointing overall. I think the defense can be better and I think they're improving, but it's just those, those, those lapses. The open, I said the opening quarter against guard, you let this guy get going, you fall behind by 11, you know, like, and that just kind of set the tone for the game. They end up coming back and then blowing a 12-point lead in the second half. But you can't let guys just get, get comfortable in this league, especially dudes who can score. And the Celtics sometimes let, like, uh, Shiraz with the Matador defense, Ole defense, let guys get way too comfortable or stick too much to the scouting report or don't read the scouting report or whatever and let guys get comfortable. And then, you know, DeRozan 46 the other night, 
the, the good thing about that is they shut everybody else down. And I think the way people try to beat the Bulls is let because De, DeRozan's not going to shoot a lot of threes. Is let DeRozan go off and try to shut down Levine. And Vucevic got hot in the fourth quarter, but there was there wasn't a, like a, a guy who added thirty five. Like they were able to get over simply because they they just maintained. And you know. DeRozan made some tough shots. I don't think their defense on him was terrible. I just think the dude's a shot maker and he's a tough shot maker. And that's what he does for a living. That's why he uh, just got to 20,000 point mark. So I think uh, uh, I'm more uh, surprised with the offense. I just think they've run into some hot shooters, but I also think the lapses is what is uh, kind of, uh, I thought is is what they is wrong, like what they shouldn't be doing. That's the thing that they got to avoid is the is the major issue. Well, our sponsors at Bet Online they are not the type to get hit you with surprises because they're reliable. And if you know basketball season is actually back, if you haven't been able to tell already, and Bet Online should be your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, team matchups, info player news, everything you need to know, betonline.ag sets you up for success. As your continued source for sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on your favorite sports and events. So that, of course, includes the NFL, NBA, as we mentioned, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. So all you have to do is head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% Welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the games start. So we did talk about their defensive struggles early on right now, but what do you two think is the best way to start fixing? And we talked about this a little bit, but fixing that defensive gap that they have right now, other than Rob Williams, because that's not a fair answer just yet. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I would say effort. Biggest thing. I, I don't think they give nearly as much effort and focus at that end of the floor as they do offensively. Uh, and, and that, uh, you know, it, it's easy to point out and say, well, it starts with Marcus Smart. After all, he's a defensive player of the year. And I would say it probably starts with Jason Tatum because he's their best player. And if he shows, I think, the ability to, to do more things at that end of the floor, I think it does have the potential to have a trickle-down effect to the other guys. And I think Tatum is trending in that direction. I thought he made a lot of really good plays in his last game and the game before that at the defensive end of the floor. And they're going to need that. But more importantly, they're going to need others to try to emulate that and, and bake that into their game when they get out on the floor. Because as Yari pointed out earlier, p- opponents are getting too many damn wide-open shots. Uh, you can't guys in this league are just too damn good. Even the mediocre players in the league are still good enough to knock down open shots. And the Celtics, I think, are really bad at giving guys confidence. Uh, you, we, you know, Karis LeVert, who dropped 41 on the Celtics, had, I think, one point in his next game out. How the hell does that happen? Drop 41 and then drop one the next night? Celtics had a lot to do with that with, with their poorest defense. But more importantly, they have this this ability to unfortunately let guys get going and let them get confident as the game progresses. And they got to shut the valve off from the jump. And so that's, again, I, I think there has to be a little bit more attention paid to making sure they're doing those, those type of things. Yeah, I think that they technique, also like Shiraz effort, but also just, you know, reading the scouting reports and not letting get like starting off games 
with that intent with that like let's stop them intensity not letting guys get too comfortable um too easy and sometimes better communication talking more on defense not only grant and marcus but other guys guys stepping up guys being more engaged uh defensively and number one not letting offense affect defense a missed shot a bad call get back on d talk to the official when there's a timeout the next you know the next stoppage do not talk to him try to argue the call during when the other team is running a fast break don't let miss shots and oh man i that was my shot i should have hit that but you're uh, a second slow a half second slow to get back on defense and then suddenly your dude's hitting a three like you got to be better than that they have to be sharper like i think they can be I think, but the sharpening up those little things, because it's not big thing. I don't think it's like they're Brooklyn where they just don't have the personnel to defend. I think it's a little thing. I said, getting back on D, going over screens and not under screens. Uh, and second, to getting that defensive rebound, not giving teams extra possessions so they can score, you know, hitting that hitting the boards. Uh, that's very important. Hustling for those 50-50 balls. All the little things I think need to improve. Gary Sherrod said that he thought it was Tatum that kind of has to step up when you talk about who takes the lead defensively. Who do you think the Celtics need to take the lead? Um, yeah, I think Tatum. And I also think Marcus needs to get back to his defensive player of the year form, set the tone. You know, I mean, smart, you know, it's like Tatum wasn't, Tatum wasn't guarding Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell. You know what I'm saying? Like he's smart needs to step up and I know his shot isn't falling. So I know that's probably one of the reasons that's kind of got him off a little bit, but he's got to be that defensive player of the year type guy, that, that, that agitator getting steals, diving for balls, you know, making it uncomfortable. You can't let these guys get too comfortable because the guys who are scoring, you know, are mostly Gar Garland, DeRozan, Mitchell, a mostly guard. Brunson got his, you know, the other night, you know, against the Knicks. So I, I think Marcus needs to be that that central guy. He's the leader of the defense, and he'll tell you that. All right, so looking up ahead to the schedule, their next opponent are the Memphis Grizzlies. As I mentioned, the Celtics are obviously leading the league in points per game, and the Grizzlies are right behind them. So what are your expectations for this game, knowing that we have two offensive leaders going head to head buckets buckets <laughs> lots, of- lots of buckets and and, and again I, I you know both teams do it in in their own way and i i think the celtics you know clearly this is a this is a memphis team they've had some success so they've beaten they both won both games last year uh, tatum i think had over 30 points in each of those games the celtics i believe shot better than 50 percent in each of those games so all the stars are aligning for the Celtics to basically build off of what they've already done of late this, this season. And that scored a ton of points. Mm-hmm. Memphis, again, they, to me, their strength is their, the waves in which they can hit you. Uh, they've got guys who are really very much fall into the, the bucket of two way talent. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be important for the Celtics to find ways to, to take advantage of whatever their shortcomings are and, and work at mismatches. I mean, John Moran, no disrespect, but if Marcus smart, has the ball in a block and you guard him, 
barbecue chicken. That will be you. <laughs> so they they that's going to be key. And and but you know this may be the game where the Celtics defense, which we've talked a lot about, has to break out. They have to be better than their numbers suggest uh, if they're going to win this game. Yeah, I think it could be another potential shootout. And Ja, you know, licks his chops against defenses like the Celtics if they don't step up. So, and then they also got guys like Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks. Uh, you know, Stephen Adams, you know, pushing dudes around in the paint. Um, you know, they're, they're they don't have Kyle Anderson anymore. He signed with Minnesota. Jaron Jackson Jr. is out, um, so they're missing some pieces. Uh, but they got guys who can put the ball in the hoop other than Ja. So, uh, you know, Zaire Williams is a guy I like, you know, kind of a swing man, three and D guy. So they got person there. They got young team. It all depends. We'll see. Um, the, the interesting part about it is, is you know, Memphis plays uh, Sunday night against the Wizards at home. So they're coming off a back-to-back, even though it's at home. Uh, you know, I'm sure they'll have energy, but the Celtics will have a little day, a day of rest. You know, a chance to probably check out that game. I'm sure they're in Memphis uh, mm-hmm. as we speak, trying to, you know, check out, get some little scouting report on how that game goes and just keep it, you know, they got to keep it close early. Don't fall behind. Don't let Ja go for 20 in the first quarter. Uh, and they could have a good shot of winning that game. But yeah, I think it's going to be a shootout, two high scoring teams, two offenses, two lots of great players on the floor. So it's going to be an entertainment. Anything and get your popcorn ready. Okay. So we've talked about the growing pains that the Celtics are going through, not as extreme, but they are going through, especially on the defensive end. And our partners at Indeed, they know the same thing can apply to some small businesses. And rapid growth for your business doesn't have to come with growing pains if you use Indeed. And when you have ambitious hiring goals, you need a partner to help you get you there. So you need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites looking for the right candidates with the right skills, you can do it all with Indeed.com. Find the top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like the Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. So if you hate waiting, Indeed's data actually shows that 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match the job description the moment that you sponsor a job. So another feature that they have in addition to the instant match is the virtual interview, which basically instead of making your candidates jump through hoops, their virtual interview tool means that you can do the nothing, no download, just click, and talk to them. So they don't have to use an outside party to talk to them and figure out if they're the right candidate for your job. With virtual interviews, you can indeed save some time. You can schedule, message, interview all of the top talent in one place, and indeed makes it easy to connect with their applicants. No need to install anything extra. Like I said, Indeed's virtual interview tool takes care of that for you. So if you're looking to hire for your business, Indeed knows that as you grow your small business, you're trying to save some money as well, especially in this economy. So here at the A-List podcast, we've got you covered a little bit. Indeed.com slash A-List is where you can start hiring right now. And that's why when you sponsor a job uh, post, you're going to only pay for quality applications from their resume of databases in their database that match, again, the job description that you're looking for. Again, Indeed.com slash A-List. Need to hire, you need Indeed. So we've talked about the Celtics, but every week now we've talked about another team on the Eastern Conference, and that is the Brooklyn Nets, Ugh. which I couldn't stop saying their name last week. 
So let's look at the Kyrie situation, which has since escalated since the last episode. Kyrie is now suspended for no less than five games. And now, even though he did issue the apology that the Brooklyn Nets insisted that he make, clearly it didn't seem sincere enough. And they have another set of action items before he's able to actually play again in the league. What do you two make of the fact that the Nets took so long to implement this punishment? And also, do you think the list of things that they gave him to do is enough? There's some sensitivity training there. If you don't know, there's like a few things that he has to fulfill before he's back. Got it, G. Um, I'm not surprised. I think the, the Nets were trying to wait for Kyrie to come to his senses and make a, a full-fledged apology. And once he didn't, you know, like they kept him for the media for a couple of days. And so yeah. it was just like, okay, well, um, you know, take some time, think about it. I'm sure people in the organization were talking to him and then they're like, okay, now you can talk to the media. And so that press conference uh, that he had, I think, I think after a practice uh, was the one I think that set everything off that he didn't apologize. He wouldn't unequivocally say he wasn't anti-Semitic. Um, he kind of, you know, he was playing r- the riddle game as Kyrie tends to do. And the guess what I'm really talking about game. You, I know more than you, uh, and I'm not going to let you know what I'm thinking. So, I mean, the, the, I think the Nets are tired of it. The league is getting tired of it. And I think that they, you know, as our friend, our good buddy, uh, Vince Goodwill reported, um, the, 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 there's six conditions for, for, for which for he could come back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, was meeting with the Anti-Defamation League, meeting with owner Josiah. Apparently he wasn't work, work, returning uh, his owner's, uh, the governor, I don't say owner, the oh. governor's um, text messages, things like that. So this is a real crossroads for Kyrie. I mean, you know, his status in the league, he's becoming a real headache for teams. And it's it's obvious. I mean, it was happening in Cleveland. And suddenly it happened in Boston. And then it was like, I'm coming home and I'm back in Brooklyn where I belong. And, my, you know, I'm a Jersey kid. And this is, you know, want to know about that. And this is where I belong. And this is home. And, you know, I'm coming home. And all stop. Yes. Okay, we got a little vocal. Yeah, like, you know, I'd be, I'm coming home. And, and you know, tear jerker and all that. And I'm coming. It's it's the same old BS. Like it's like still more drama, and it's just like, hey, come on, man. Like it's got to end. Remember, he's supposed to go into this year. I'm I'm about hoop. I'm you know I'm trying to you know I'm a, I'm serious. Okay, the vaccination stuff is over. Then this stuff comes up, and it's just sort of like it's if it's not one thing, it's another. So this is his career. I believe is on the line because there's plenty of talented dudes on the street in the NBA, in our history, we know that just couldn't act right, couldn't, can't get right. And the league was like, you know what? Go overseas with that, go to China, do something else, man, because, you know, it, he's a headache. He's becoming a headache. And he's got to realize that, that if you, you know, now if you want to be a political leader, you want to lead people, you want to do something off the floor and put your focus towards something different, then that's cool. And and just say, you know what, basketball ain't me, but you want to be a a ball player and you want to get along with people. And there's plenty of people from all nationalities, races, orientations or whatever that go to NBA games and put money in the league's pocket. 
there's a certain amount of cooperation you have to do. You don't have to like everybody you work with, but you got to be civil and respectful to everybody you work with. So can Kyrie be that? Is he going to cause more trouble? It, you know, the, the, the Nets have won the two games that he wasn't there. How much of an emotional headache is that for your teammate? So, uh, you know, I was surprised that I think the rate, I think the Nets wanted to like give him some time and for himself to figure it out. And once he didn't, they're like, we're going to figure this out for you. So it was like your parent, like, you know, yeah. you, you, keep doing this. you keep <laughs> doing this. You keep doing this. You want me to go upstairs and, and, and so maybe get my belt. Yeah, don't make you know. Do you want me to come oh, up there and handle things? About it. <laughs> like, no. So that's the thing. I think that the Nets were finally like, okay, God, we didn't give you enough chances, you know, and you're on you're an expiring contract. So we gotta pay you, but we ain't paying you past this year. Uh-huh. So we ain't on no Kevin Durant deal. So this is your last year year here anyway. So at this point, they're not like the Nets aren't tripping. And, you know, they want to win, but they also want to get rid of these headaches. Oh, so yeah. I, I think I think that I understood their stance. Wow. Here, here's, here's the thing. Um, Kyrie is an incredibly talented player. But we all know that as you run the race of life, if you don't pay attention, next thing you know, Father Time is right next to you. And Kyrie's not there. But the talent that he has displayed throughout his career isn't is becoming less worth the headaches that come attached with joining forces with Kyrie. And that's the that's the problem that he has right now. Brooklyn came to the realization that, you know what, he's incredibly talented, but he is forcing us, leaving us very little choice but to crack down on him. And because he's not just acting out. He's having a debilitating impact on the franchise. When you start doing some of the things that Kyrie has done, and and, and let's be let's be honest, and, and let's keep it one hundred. Of all the NBA cities, and there's never a good NBA city to be anti-Semitic in. But if there was a city that is probably the worst place to be anti-Semitic, it's Brooklyn. That's that bureau. One out of every four people in Brooklyn is Jewish. That is that is the absolute. I mean that that's the absolute worst place on the NBA circuit to do something like this, or to even have any any type of attachment or association with anti-Semitic rhetoric. And Kyrie, also, not a great did he, man, did once say, "Spread love, it's the Brooklyn way." So that's another. I said a great man once said. Biggie. Who said that? I thought she said my uncle, my uncle Pookie. No, no, no. <laughs> That sounds like something Unk said. It is a but, but that, that Kyrie. I again. I, this is this was a, it's the last place on the planet where you where you would want to or you would even entertain something like that. And the worst part about it for Kyrie was that he's had he had multiple opportunities. And this is what the Nets were doing. They're like, okay, you know what? He's wrong. He I think we kind of knows he's wrong. But now he has a chance to just set the record straight if there was some confusion. And every opportunity he had to set the record straight. He refused to address the most basic question. Are you anti-Semitic? Are you to are you going to disavow people who and he was just, you know, he didn't answer the question. He did he did the second job, Bob and Weave. I mean, look, I mean, Kyrie, we're not on the court. You ain't breaking my ankles down on this one. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't break ankles on this one. You have to, you have to, you have to be real. And the Nets felt okay. 
we're going to suspend you at least five games. We're going to come up with these kind of rules that we need you to, to do before you can come back. And with Kyrie, like, I, and we've, I know we've, we've talked about this before, but would anybody be shocked if Kyrie just decides to say the hell with this? I'm done. Nike yeah. done already cut me loose. Yeah. Y'all don't want me. At least not the way I want to be wanted. I'm just going to go and do Kyrie now. Would not be surprised. Be, I would be disappointed because I, I still think Kyrie, from a basketball standpoint, has a lot to contribute. And to me, from a personal growth standpoint, if he can finally, finally, finally actually uh, listen to someone besides himself mm-hmm. on these type of matters, uh, that would be great. And as as um, Gary pointed out earlier, you know, Vincent Goodwill, who had you know the first to write about like the rules that Kyrie has to abide by before he can get back, you know. I'm not convinced Kyrie is willing to do all that because part of that involves getting treatment. And while I think from a tangible standpoint, it's possible, but can he philosophically allow himself to open up to that process uh, and and walk through that process and hopefully come out on the other end a better person? I don't know. And I base that simply on the track record that everywhere Kyrie has gone, there has been a dumpster fire left behind. Mm -hmm. And if you look at all the common denominators, He's it. Can he change? I don't know. I don't have a feel one way or the other on that. I think it's also telling, though, despite us feeling as though it was just the common sense decision to apologize and, you know, complete the steps so he can be reinstated. When you look at NBA Twitter, free Kyrie Irving and I stand with Kyrie have been the two top trends over the last few days, which, again, I think highlights the fact that there are people that do agree with what he said. And I know that I will say, I think there are definitely some people that just see it from a basketball standpoint and want to see him back on the floor. But I looking at the hashtag and reading some of the tweets, there are people that just genuinely agree with the stance that he had and some of the thoughts that he said, which I think just highlights a bigger overall issue of the way rhetoric can just spread. And you can realize that people are actually on board with it, which is honestly a bit scary too. Well, it's a little bit scary, but the issue that that I have with Kyrie is that if you listen to everything he says, you will easily be able to pick out bits and pieces that make sense, bits and pieces sure. that have a, a uplifting Rounded. Uh, you know, narrative to them. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't allow himself to explain where he, what he stands with and what he stands against. He just lets all that stuff just kind of morph together and leave you no choice, but to believe he stands for all that stuff. And if that's the case, this is what happens when, when you don't, when you don't explain with clear Mm -hmm. clarity, what the hell you stand for. And that was, that was the frustrating part about his press conference a couple Saturdays ago when there were multiple opportunities for him to, be able to explain if he can why he felt the need to promote that particular piece of, of cinema. He, and he never, he never explained it. And partly I think it was because he hadn't watched, he hadn't seen the movie mm-hmm. in part because he knew nothing other than he explained that, you know, I, I did a, I did a search. I put in a word, this, mm-hmm. this came up and I, and I promoted it. And, you know, for someone who, you know, wants you to believe he's really smart and intelligent. And I think, and I put it this way, there are those who think Kyrie is just full of, you know what? And there's those who think he's the smartest man alive. And I see him as being somewhere in that, somewhere in the middle, because I don't think he's nearly as smart as he thinks he is, but he's not nearly as buffoonish as some people want to make him out to be. There is, there is a certain 
element of intellect of what he does and how he thinks. I just think that he hasn't, but what he doesn't do a good enough job of is explaining his position, you know, and, and, and keeping his position clear. I mean, one minute he's saying that, you know, he's got an army of followers and the next minute he's just like, I'm only one person. I'm, I'm not, I can't control what others do. And it's like, how can you be an influencer and yet not have influence? I mean, I, I, I don't see how that works. And unfortunately, we find that is a common thread with Kyrie, that 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 dynamic of confusion in what he says, because literally he, he will be saying the two opposite things about himself. And you're left to decide, wait, what the hell is going on here? So anyway. And another thing to know is when he talked about, again, that we said this last week, not promoting the film, it it turns out that that specific documentary just jumped in the charts, whether it's on um, Barnes and Noble, where it ended up 69 on one of the best selling lists, book lists, and then um, on Apple Books, it's now number nine in the top audio book. So, again, whether he decided to or not, he was promoting this film. But another thing, Gary, that you mentioned is the fact that the Nets are now 2 0 with him and they're on, on the road at that with the two games that they've played since he's been suspended. Do you think the Nets are better off without Kyrie on the roster? I think they're a more harmonious team with him on the roster. He's a super talent. You can't say on the Kumbaya, court. my team. Kumbaya. Got a lot but of singing I, today. Yeah. You must, you know, uh, you know, the Mutu. So um, I think that, I think that they're more harmonious. I think Kevin Durant is like, see y'all now, now y'all see why I wanted to get traded. Like, oh, I was a bad guy in the summer. Now you see what's going on. <laughs> Would you see what's happening? You know, um, and I'm trying to tell y'all, I tried yeah, to. You try to tell us. A man and was so crying for help, and no one listened. Definitely, I think that no, they're not a better team on the floor, but I just think having that not to deal with and that stench over them, they probably playing more free and just happier. And they got a lot of young guys, Cam Thomas and Kessler Edwards. And, you know, they got guys who like to play just like the who, like they're not all into all this, you know, they're not trying to be, they're not trying to be uh, Malcolm X or Minister Farrakhan. They're not trying to, they're not doing like, they just want to play ball. And I think if, if Kyrie wants to focus on political or social issues, he can freely do that. I just think he needs to make his message, like Sherrod said, more clear. Is he, are you a black, there's been plenty of players. I mean, you know, when we grew up in the, um, in the seventies, there were plenty of players who adopted Islam, mm-hmm. you know, as, as their faith. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was formerly, obviously Luau Cinder is one of the yeah. more famous. There's plenty. Jamal Wilkes was Keith Wilkes. Like there was mm-hmm. plenty of Ahmad Rashad was Bobby Green. Um, you Chris know, Jackson. Yes. Uh, Mahu Abdul Raouf. Like there, there are plenty of athletes who have taken on the Muslim faith, who have taken on a different religion. You know, Amari Stoudemire started studying He's this. Jewish. It's okay. Yeah. There's nobody saying uh, we can't like, you know, Kyrie, you can't be anything other than stereotypically or a conventional black man. You can do what you want, but there's a lot of uh, confusion of like, well, what's your message, brother? Like, what are you trying to say? Because the thing about 
I found interesting at the at press conference, the one that basically got him suspended, mm-hmm. the 300 million ancestors line. It's something that a lot of people can can literally relate to and be like, wow. And I think that's what kind of galvanized him with some people like, damn, Kyrie, you're right. Our people have suffered. He's right. That has nothing to do with being anti-Semitic, though. They, they're, they're separate, right? So you can, you can fight your cause. You want to free people. You want to have a situation where you're working for the voice, voice of the voiceless. You want to help the disadvantaged. You want to help people who have been, he felt disrespected, understandably, by this country without question. That doesn't have anything to do with anti-Semitism. You can do that. You can be a be a leader for your people. If that's what you want to do, Kyrie, be a be a damn leader. Quit being this vaguely generally messaged guy that people don't know. One minute he's, you know, he do he's doing the Native American thing, which is understandable. He's finding his heritage. Now he's he's more of a black nationalist. That's fine. But that don't mean you can still love everyone anti-semitism is a sickness it's it's wrong and for for me to me that's the problem like what is your message brother and find a forum to relay that message quit thinking i'm so much deeper than everybody i'm just so deep i mean i'm I'm deeper than you you just don't get it like that's what he's talking about yeah but i also think that as we've known to cover Kyrie, if you demand something from him, like an apology, he's going to be like, no. Opposite, yeah. Hell no. <laughs> Even though it might be the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to just say you're sorry? Nope. No. F you. Like, that's like, that's what he's telling those reporters. Yeah. Because, to be honest, he doesn't look at that scroll of reporters and see anybody who looks like us. Very few. Yeah. A couple of people, Christian Wingfield, Brian Lewis, but he doesn't, he sees a bunch of people that he feels like he, he that he, he's already called the media peons. Mm-hmm. That he doesn't like, he doesn't have a whole lot of respect for demanding that he apologize. So that's the, the wrong forum anyway for him. Instagram, okay, that was fine. Let's see what happens when he does interviews or he just says, listen, I'm not, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I, I, I apologize. We're, sh- we're only talking basketball. The smartest thing for him to do is probably go, yep, we're, I'm only going to speak on ball. Do not ask me about anything off the floor. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But he has to come to a realization that you want to be a leader, be a damn leader. Have a clear message. Talk to young people. Reach out. You know, help the community. He's helped. He's helped causes he's not he's he, he's done stuff off the floor sure. that's fine that's a good thing you know that people don't talk about because of this stuff if he you know so he, he's got to he's got to figure out what i want to do what is my message what am i trying to convey here what is what is the point because you're not helping yourself like he's hurting himself, he's hurting his career, he's hurting his team. Nobody besides the dude who wrote that book and, got, and made that documentary is benefiting off this. That's I'm true. sure that dude is like he is living his best life. That dude, that dude's collecting checks at this point. Look, you never you know when your mama will come. Exactly. So <laughs> that's the only guy who's benefited off this. Everybody else is lost, including Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we talk about the dumpster, dumpster fire that is the Brooklyn Nets, reports were a few days ago that they would eventually be considering hiring Ime Udoka. So now that we've seen the chaos that's gone down in Brooklyn, do you two think that that hire is still on the docket? 
Yep. Really? Yep. I, I, their PR team can't get a break. <laughs> no, they can't. And and a lot of it is their own their own doing. Their I own mean, doing, they could have yeah. easily rolled this season out, you know, with Jacques Vaughn. Yeah. Or or brought in somebody like Quinn Snyder, but they went they went for Eme. And I on paper, it makes a lot of sense. He's familiar with your organization. He's familiar with your core group. I mean, other than uh, you know, Kyrie, that's the one kind of wild card. So, but no, he's familiar with Kyrie having, cause Kyrie was there when he was an assistant too. So he's oh, yeah. worked with all your guys, Ben Simmons in Philly. So it makes a lot of sense if it was all about basketball, but that's not what this is all about. The fact that he available was because of something he did that had nothing to do with bouncing a basketball. The fact that Kyrie suspended for five games has nothing to do with something he did on the basketball court. The drama that they have has nothing to do with the game. And yet you're, and you're hoping that because all your flawed players from a person, from a personality standpoint can put that aside and make it about the game. This is the best shot that they have of turning this thing around. This team was built. This franchise spent major money to build a championship caliber team. And they haven't been out, they haven't gotten past the second round of damn playoffs. This is their best shot. Ime gives them their best shot because he understands the, the fragile nature of this of the core guys better than anyone who's available. And he too has something to prove. He too has, he's part of this, you know, this uh trying to reinvent oneself uh in Brooklyn. And so there's a lot, a lot of that stuff has to come into play when you're trying to figure out whether. Ime is, is the right person for the job. Um, I'm a little disappointed, to be candid with you, that he got back into the game this quick. Uh, as we talked about last week, and Gary made great points about how, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine that he's had this tremendous amount of personal growth in five weeks. Uh, that's, is it possible? Absolutely. But I'm not ready to put money i'm not ready to bet online on that one i i I go to bet online for a lot of things but this that that is a bet i would not be wanting to make so (laughs) i was was with you till the end (laughs) anyway yeah i mean i think it's something that's going to happen and um you know the nets nets are a desperate organization they've been trying to win for the last decade since moving to brooklyn They've been trying to be significant because, as you know, Kwani, you're from that area. It's still a Knicks town. Mm-hmm. Whatever the Knicks, uh, people Even don't care they about the Nets. Too, so. <laughs> right. The Nets are, you know, just kind of a novelty. Oh, they're the other team down there. Oh, yeah. okay. You know, it's it, it's a it's a cool, sleek team. The uniforms and the, the theater seat, the theater lighting, and a nice arena and all that. But it's like they don't have a lot of diehard New York fans. And they're trying to make a statement in a market where it is a Knicks town. So they're trying to be significant and they're trying to figure this out. And I'm sure they've done their vetting on Ime Udoka and they might still be doing their vetting on Ime Udoka and figuring out, okay, um, what exactly did he do? What happened? And, you know, they haven't made any public statements yet, so we don't know. And I kind of think, well, if it would have happened, it would have happened already. Um, but it, their your, their full concentration could be on, quite honestly, this whole Kyrie Irving thing. But let it die down. The way I look at it is that, um, you know, we'll see what I'm fascinated. I'm going to, you know, get in to know Ime. He seems like a good, not a good man. 
obviously he's a, he's a flawed man, but he seems to have some sense, even though he might have lost his head a little bit in this situation. Let's see how he reacts to this new opportunity, to the situation in Boston, whether he makes some changes or says he's going to make some changes and gets uh, his head right in terms of, you know, because this is his last chance, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's see if he's done some reflection. Five, six weeks is not a lot of time. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of absurd, but this is the league that we're in to where the Nets are desperate and they feel like, you know what, this is the man, even though it's a right the right guy, even though it might not be the right time. Well said. All right, we'll see what happens next in Brooklyn. Stay tuned, but... Until then, once again, I want to give some love to betonline.ag. That promo code is CLNS50. So they could put some bets down on whether or not the Brooklyn Nets win a few more games without Kyrie. And of course, indeed.com slash A-list. If you're looking to hire for your small business, you need Indeed. So make sure you sign up using that URL. Until next week, when we figure out what's going on in the NBA, for A'sha Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani Lunas. This is the A-list podcast. Thank you for listening.